0: You're listening to Thrive Beyond Size, Episode 104. Welcome to Thrive Beyond Size, the podcast that's all about finding health, joy, and liberation beyond weight. If you're ready to break free
1: from diet culture and embrace a lifestyle that celebrates your body regardless of your size, you're in the right place. Here's your host, health and wellness coach, Dr. Michelle Tubman.
0: Hey there, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. This week, we're spending time in my favorite room of the house, the kitchen. Well, it may not be your favorite room, but I'm hoping it will be after listening to this interview with Heather Carey. Heather is a clinical nutritionist and a culinary nutritionist, meaning a healthy foods cooking instructor. And she empowers women in midlife to make peace with their bodies, food, and eating. And what we're really talking about in this interview is how to make friends with your kitchen, how to feel comfortable with meal planning, food preparation, cooking healthy meals, and how to really address all of the obstacles and the excuses that come up when we think about doing this for ourselves and our family. So here it is, an interview with Heather Carey. Good morning, Heather. Welcome to the Thrive Beyond Size podcast. I'm so happy to have you here.
1: Thanks so much, Michelle. I'm so happy to be here today and just talk about everything related to body image and food and uh, kitchens and nutrition. So happy to be here. So much to talk about, and I am
0: particularly excited to talk about the kitchen because I find it such a huge source of frustration for myself and within my marriage as well. And so I, I have some I have some specific questions I want to ask you about that. But before we dig right in, Heather, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became
1: so passionate about this this particular topic? Absolutely. I think I mean I have my own stories around food and diets and you know that's that started a long time ago probably you know like peaked at like you know 11 years old when i went on my first diet and you know with the encouragement of family members you know so i was always on on and off diets here and there like throughout my you know my teens i was also very interested in food i was also really interested in the relationship between food and how it made you feel even as a teenager And I happened to have an aunt, a very progressive aunt at the time, who was a macrobiotic chef. I don't know if now in in, uh, these generations, if you know what macrobiotics is, but back then it was sort of like whole foods, you know, like a more Asian based, you know, like whole foods eating. And she really turned me on to all of these different types of Foods, tofu, seaweeds, brown rice. You know, back when I was growing up in the eighties, we were leaning into McDonald's and fast food and convenient and quick. And so she really enlightened me uh, to this relationship between food and health. And that, you know, translated into uh, me graduating college. I went to cooking school. Because of her, she she had told me about a, a very specific cooking school in Manhattan, and I ended up going to that school. and I loved it. the The school was all about health supportive cooking mm-hmm. and you know, the, again, this food food and healing. And I went to that school. I became a private chef in Manhattan for a couple of years. I got a little stuck with, you know, some people. I was helping people with their with their. Eating issues and health issues and cooking for them. And I loved it. But I was really, I had a barrier for just the coaching part and just, you know, helping people a little even further. So I went back and got my master's degree in clinical nutrition. And I call myself a culinary nutritionist. I am very passionate about the food and your health still and how our we can use our food in a very healing way. That's that's brilliant, Heather. I'm I
0: don't know if you know this, but I'm a I'm a physician full time. That's that's what I do. You know, for for mm-hmm. my primary job, and I practice emergency medicine. But I am intrinsically fascinated by all of this, and so I'm currently studying to write my board exams in lifestyle medicine. And one of the primary pillars of that is nutrition. And what we're working on right now is nutrition to support cardiovascular health, cancer prevention and treatment, hypertension prevention and treatment and diabetes prevention and treatment and it's it's mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating. And I always love to tell the story of my mother who's in her 70s and last fall was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. And she was really quite uh, quite upset, and had quite bad um, diabetes uh, at her diagnosis. And she's quite adamant that she doesn't like to take medication, and there was no way in hell she was ever going to take insulin. And her family physician told her, you know, if we don't see changes relatively quickly, this might be the approach that we have to take. And so he sent her off to a dietitian, you know, who's you know taught her how to eat, and within three months. All of her sugars, her A1C, all of her labs were right back down to normal. And she, you know, feels fantastic. And she did this primarily with just changing the way that she eats. And what she always talks about now is how much better she feels eating this way, like regardless of the diabetes. So food really does have a powerful, powerful effect, I think, more than than what we realize.
1: Absolutely. I mean, food, you know, it's, there's these lifestyle diseases is what they call them, right? Mm -hmm. Diabetes, some cancers, heart disease, that really are very affected by what we eat. Not everything, not everything can be cured with food, but a lot of these things can be very, very helped with food. Mm -hmm. And diabetes in particular is one of them. And Mm -hmm. once we re reconfigure some of our you know what we're putting into our bodies you can see the dramatic effect it can have on on people and their numbers and their you know their blood sugar numbers and everything so Mm -hmm. your mom is a great example of of that happening and it doesn't take a lot i mean it you know food is is one of these very simple things that i think human beings complicate right we get very we get very caught up in well what exactly should i be eating and what you know and then the numbers and then throw diets in like throw you know like the latest diet and it is the food confusion is out of control you know we just don't yeah. know what to eat but it's it it can be pretty simple
0: and i i can't wait to talk about how to simplify this because here's a here's a great example of Um, I had a a call recently with a client who had been following me for quite some time, and she always engages with me on social media, but we never really have a conversation. And um, she called me after having an experience with a mango in the grocery store. So she, like you, had been dieting in one way or another since she was quite young and finds uh, quite traumatized from, from a lot of those experiences. And she was hungry and was out running around and thought that she would go into the grocery store and get a snack rather than go to the convenience store. And she was proud of herself for making this decision. And Mm -hmm. she said she was driving to the store and she was thinking about mangoes. She wanted something sweet and you can buy like pre-cut up mango pieces and, and that's what she wanted. So she went to the produce section to look for these mangoes and she recalled being on a low, like an ultra low carb diet somewhat recently, where the only fruit she was allowed to eat, allowed in quote, quotation marks, right, was um, blueberries and and some some other berries. And so she immediately started thinking, what's going to happen to me if I eat these mangoes? Is this actually a bad choice? Is it too much sugar? And she ended up getting so frustrated that she just went and got a chocolate bar at the the checkout and was so angry at herself. And I think this is such a great example of overcomplicating something that otherwise could have been simple. But that happens because of years and years of dieting and thinking that we have to follow certain rules. And I think so many of us are in this in in this you know situation. So I was reading a book written by a psychiatrist on treating binge eating disorder, I think it was. And he was talking about how he makes uh, his patients go to a grocery store and write down all the foods that trigger them in some way. And so I thought I was gonna go try this and I did. And there Mm -hmm. were 70 some foods on my list that gave me some sort of thought about it. And I thought like that was absolutely shocking to me.
1: Mm, I mean, what that, well, I mean, though, so there's the right two things. I mean, that's a great example of your patient that went into the store and just wanted mango and, and, you know, got so tripped up with, I shouldn't, right? But there's all these shoulds and shouldn'ts that we think, you know, go along with food. And, the the reality is that there's absolutely nothing wrong with mango, it's right? Possible. It's a fruit. I mean, it's a, probably the, the number one question I get asked from a lot of my clients is is fruit bad for me? I shouldn't be eating fruit, right? fruit is bad for me. And there's nothing wrong with fruit, all fruit. There's nothing wrong with it. And that's and that your patient then probably got so agitated, her emotions kicked in, you know, mm-hmm. she her brain was doing a, a battle you know I shouldn't mm-hmm. I should and she fell back on something then really just fell back on the on the chocolate bar you know that she yeah, yeah. and then yeah. really did a number on herself so, so I think that's just a great example of of how we see food you know in our society is that it's like either good food or it's bad food and it's you know there really is no bad food mm-hmm yeah, you know, There really is no bad food. And I think that, you know, and then, you know, you talk about this, like going through the grocery store and looking for the foods that can trigger you or, you know, like, and yeah, I mean, groceries, well, grocery stores are notorious for, you know, the trigger foods. I mean, they're, you know, food marketers know this, you know, you walk through aisles and they're like just bells and whistles and like screaming at you to like, buy me, you know, buy buy my food. And so, I mean, there's just you know, it's, it's difficult to get through a grocery store sometimes, because they're, you know, they want to sell you food. Yeah, they they do.
0: And yeah. I, I personally only ever go to the grocery store with a list. That's been been my approach. And I, I find that helpful, because it's kind of like just putting blinders on. <laughs> like I'm getting what I've decided I needed based on my meal planning. And and that's it. Yeah.
1: Yes, I think going to a yes, and I tell people this all the time. Do not walk into a grocery store without a list in your hand. Just yeah. and stick and stick to the list. Wandering through the grocery store, wondering, going in hungry, going in, you know, is just a recipe for disaster. I mean, it's right. So just go t- take the list, stick with the list. Yeah, in and out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
0: I I agree with that completely. And I think just going back to how we as humans tend to complicate food, I think one of the reasons why this happens is because food actually is more than just nutrition. It's more than just fuel. There is a social component to food for us uh, us as humans and i've like i've long struggled with how to talk about that because i think you know sometimes when we try to unwind from all the diet culture stuff and stop labeling foods as good or bad and look at it just as nutrition i think i think that's a little bit problematic because it, it the social part of it is just so ingrained, you know, with us. E- even if it's as simple as, you know, the expectation is that the family sits together for for dinner, right? Like there's there's this social, you know, piece to food as well. Do you have any thoughts on on how to navigate that piece of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, food I think you're absolutely right. I mean, food we we need food to fuel ourselves, right? And to mm-hmm. keep ourselves, you know, health, healthy and well. And and then there's all the other things that go with it. I mean, food is social, right? We celebrate with food. We comfort ourselves with food. If we're not feeling well, I mean, I have beautiful memories of being like sick as a child and then like my grandmother making me like a steaming hot bowl of like matzo ball soup with chicken in it. I mean, I'll, you know, it's like, I'll never forget that. It, that's the thing that probably healed me more than anything is like her love that went into the food. So food really does have this big emotional component i think that what what we get tripped up with sometimes is that when we use food sometimes in a way to address our the bad day we're having i got yelled at by my boss or it's just you know it's my reward for i've worked really hard today and i'm going to come home and and you know eat the half gallon of ice cream, nothing wrong with it. There's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that every once in a while. It's just that we do it, I think, without mindfulness, right? We do it like we we walk into the kitchen, we have the TV on, our computer's in front of us, we're our phone, we're looking at Facebook. And I mean, I've done this myself. I could walk back and forth into my kitchen and all of a sudden I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Like I'm, you know, or, or I'll like you know, doing something on my computer for work. And I, you know, I can, it's just with mindlessness, right. And we want to get more just mindful with our food. So there's nothing wrong with saying to yourself, I am having a terrible day and I am going to go eat a cookie. Like, I, I mean, there's n- just do it with intention, mm-hmm. do it with kindness and let it go. Let it go. It's only, it's a, it's one, it's one time. And that, that's, totally fine. Tomorrow yeah. is a new day. But yeah. I think that w- we get caught into a mindless cycle of eating that we want to try to work through. Right. I, I I agree with you completely. And if we go back
0: to that client with the mango story, right. And the work that we had to do around that was, yeah, you know, addre- addressing the the labeling, the mango is bad. And that was one thing, but the bigger thing was how much she was beating herself up after having the candy bar instead, because that's, that's also something that sets us into this cycle of doing it over and over again, because lots of women who have disordered type eating will use food to punish themselves. You know, even if they're not necessarily consciously aware of that, it's just right. It's well, I ate the candy bar I don't deserve to be healthy. I don't deserve to make better choices for myself. So I'm just going to go have another one or, you know, something, something like that. It's it's not, not so easy.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, we, you could certainly do a number on yourself. I'm not disciplined. What's the matter with me? How come others can do that? And I can't, mm-hmm. I let myself go. I'm not in control. I mean, all sorts of things rather than, you know, I think what, what women especially want to work towards is having some, a deep practice of self-compassion. Deep. I did it. It's okay. I was starving. You know, and when you get yourself into that cycle of, you know, we, we want to distinguish like these hungers too, like or cravings, you know, like when we're starving and it sounded like your client was, was really hungry. You're starting to not think straight. Right. Yeah. And the, and, and you're, yeah the quickest source of energy is sugar, right? Mm -hmm. It's the quickest source of energy for your your brain needs fuel and sugar is it. And you start, and so she was likely just really starting to crave something sugary. Mm -hmm. Candy bar is going to do it much faster than the mango Mm -hmm. and definitely faster than the blueberries. So, (laughs) I mean, she, you know, and again, so it's, it's to just, practice i think a lot of self compassion i had to do this myself i mean i was you know i went through this period of of di- on and off diets all through my 20s all through getting my masters degree in nutrition i mean i you know i was definitely getting more aware of it but my masters degree didn't teach me practice of self-compassion or like these or being mindful with my food
0: you know i learned a lot about
1: fat grams and carbohydrates i mean and i could tell you how to lose weight i could tell you the formula but i didn't i didn't learn how to be kind to myself and that was the game changer for me personally was to learn how to just treat myself like my best friend and to really just forgive myself if I had a setback, and and I ended up losing. I mean, I you know by the time I was in my 30s and I had had my kids, and I, I couldn't really call the like extra like 25 pounds like baby weight, you know, anymore. <laughs> and that is what really changed it for me personally, and I think for a lot of other women who struggle with like being on and off diets and everything, is like I, I I do really believe that having this mindfulness and compassion and awareness and really have to be in tune with yourself the yeah. missing it's a missing piece for any diet you know diets do not tell you how to be mindful with your food or compassionate with yourself no and i think no. that's why they fail i mean they that's do that's exactly why they all fail the opposite
0: i think i i think by encouraging restriction and and other you know behaviors that make us feel bad, it, it accomplishes exactly the opposite. I was also going to say, if if your master's was anything like my medical training, it, it actually beats the self-compassion right out of you. And I think that that's yes. unfortunately a side effect of modern living as well. And that's that's just kind of what what part of the problem is, um, especially for many of us women who just tend to put the needs of everyone else before ourselves. Hey, it mm-hmm. all just tests- all just spirals into this, this pattern of, of, of not even being able to take care of ourselves or not even mm-hmm. seeing what we should be.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think, but, you know, I think going even further, like going back to your mom, who was like, I'm going to do this with food and I'm going to, I I don't want to get on medication. We have to also consider thinking about like why like when I when I personally lost you know weight in my 30s I had to start with why do I want to do this like why 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 am I doing this because it's not just about uh, I want to wear that bikini or I want to look good on the beach or I have to go to somebody's wedding that's not enough like it wasn't that was not enough and And I, so I think going back to that self-compassion, I wanted to just do this in like a kind, gentle way. I wanted to consider my kids, you know, I'm like, I don't want to be responsible for health issues that I could be, might be causing through food, you know, like, or like lack of food or what I'm eating or, you know, like those lifestyle diseases. So I think that also, you know, just really sticking with like, why am I doing this? Which is just another way of being compassionate with yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Another fascinating thing that I watched my mom do, and and she listens to this, so sorry, mom, but (laughs) it's my, my dad passed away just before COVID. And so my mom did the bulk of her grieving in isolation. So, you know, it, it was, it was hard for all of us. And now that we've emerged on the other side of that, you know, my mom was initially very reluctant to, you know, get out there and have a social life and, you know, interact with, with other people and uh, coinciding with this whole diabetes thing she stopped smoking and she's also going out and you know having brunch with friends and she's found like this new group of women that she's going to meet with every month and all of this which is really all just self-care as well and 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 I think I think for my mom it was more than just not wanting to to take insulin there was there was you know a deeper desire to be healthy in some way. Um, I think that opened up this whole desire for her to take care of herself in all ways, including, including socially. So it's been very fun to watch. And she did this in her 70s. So you know it's never too late for any of us.
1: Yes. I I that's such a great story. And I just applaud your mom for really well. taking on not only just the food part, but the smoking and and the social and and all of it. And yeah, and I think that's a great testament to you can start any time, right? It doesn't have to, you don't have to say, I I blew it, I've already blown it, forget it. I'm, you know, it's, you can really start any time. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And you know, speaking of starting in the kitchen, one one strategy that I like to teach people who are struggling to have a better relationship with food is to focus on adding good things rather than cutting things out. Right? I I employed that strategy. My my husband and I have always struggled with dinner. Like it's it's just been a constant source of stress in our in our in our marriage. We don't have kids. We both do shift work. He fights fires and I'm, you know, do shift work in the in, in the ER. And it's been important to us to come together for dinner when we can. And it's it's he's very much, let's just decide 10 minutes ahead of time and then run to the grocery store, get what we need and i'm very much i'm exhausted i don't want to waste my time doing this let's just plan you know for the week and and so that's that's what we do now um we plan And it is the hardest half an hour of our week to sit down and plan what what to have for dinner. And part of it is because I'm still unwinding my diet trauma. And so I'm thinking, well, do I have like too many, you know, simple carbs in this meal plan this week? Am I getting enough protein? Like this, Mm -hmm. I start asking myself these questions, which totally takes the pleasure out of it for me. So, I mean, I've been trying to just, my goal lately is to just be sure that we're getting vegetables over the course of the week. Like that's one one thing and and, and that I'm adding in. And so that seems to be okay for us now, but it still takes us 30, maybe even 45 minutes to even decide what we're going to have for dinner. I eat almost the same thing for breakfast every day. Like I've got two or three things that I rotate, same for lunch, and I'm totally mm-hmm. okay with that. But for whatever reason when it comes to dinner, we have this expectation that it needs to be fancy and of variety and you know we both actually like to cook and so we like to try new new recipes and and so sometimes our meal planning is flipping through cookbooks and finding something that looks appealing and it's it's terrible it's, so do you have any suggestions on how to make this process um a little less stressful and maybe even enjoyable for us
1: yeah i mean i that's so mm-hmm. i thank you for sharing your whole meal planning journey because mm-hmm. i think it is a journey To meal, I mean, first of all, meal planning is one of, I think, the most essential keys to healthy eating, to consistent healthy eating (laughs) because, (laughs) well, I, right. And I mean, especially it sounds like, you know, you're both working these crazy shifts and and different hours and it's so easy to fall back on let's order in, right? Mm -hmm. Or just let's get a pizza or, you know, so I mean, round of applause for just committing to meal planning because I think it's again it is the number one way to stay consistent with healthy eating and it's it goes back to that self compassion you know everything is this is not a perfect science right <laughs> this is like a meal planning is a is is a journey and it's sometimes you're going to have weeks that are just a disaster and sometimes you're going to have these really successful weeks, you know, where, where everything just fell into place and you, you know, you meal plan perfectly and you loved all the food. And, and so I think it's just, it is a work in progress constantly, but I understand what you're saying about like that, that that's, you know, you're sitting down, you're like, all right, we have to meal plan. And so like, let's sit down, get at our cookbooks or whatever, we're on the internet looking for recipes and, and edit, and, and it can trigger you know, it sounds like, you know, if you're, if you've been on diets and you're in like that diet, like mentality to, uh, is it too much of this? Is it not enough of that? Is it too, you know? So I think that, you know, I mean, there's so many things about meal planning, but I think what you said, like, I just want to make sure I eat a lot of vegetables. I mean, first and foremost, I think that's a great, that that's the, a great first step is that we want to make sure our, our our food is balanced, right? We want to have some balance. Again, it doesn't have to be complicated, but we want to go plant heavy, right? We know that for health reasons, for those lifestyle diseases we talked about, plant-based eating is probably the best way to go. So making sure that you look at your dinner plate and you can see, well, like, wow, I have a good amount of vegetables on there. I have some lean protein. I have some you know whole grains i have some healthy fats you know and and that you know but again i know it can get like complicated i mean i think for me you know sometimes i think of i I usually meal plan and and recommend this to people to like meal plan around like their protein because i want to make sure i'm getting fish in my week you know like two times a week right because that's because that's what they tell, you know you want to get some of those like healthy omega 3 fats and i want to have some plant based proteins also so that's probably 3 days a week i'll have tofu beans uh you know th- chickpea you know, things like that and then maybe the other two days are maybe it's another fish maybe it's a chicken and so that's usually how i you know plan my my meals i mean you could you know, it sounds like you and your husband are very busy. You could plan around um, using your slow cooker, you know, like twice a week. I mean, there's lots of tips and tricks, I think, to make the process of meal planning a little bit easier. But I think overall, knowing that it's not a perfect science, you want to think about like, what do I, what, what am I in the mood to eat this week? You know, and then even if it's, oh, I'm dying to eat, uh craving fried chicken or something you know like something like that and then thinking about like is there like a healthier version of this i can like look up or is there you know i'm like or i'm really in the mood for mexican food and then like looking up like different healthier versions of of mexican food Do you, do you have any suggestions for
0: families where different members prefer to eat Different ways. Like, you know, for for example, I eat predominantly vegetarian diet with occasional um, fish. So, like, well, we probably have salmon once per week, and then the rest of my meals are vegetarian. My husband prefers to eat more meat. So, what often happens is the meals we have together are vegetarian. And when I'm off at work, he makes he makes his meat. But what if you have, you know, families who all have different desires for what they want for dinner do you have any strategies for for planning around that
1: i think that almost goes into like a like a little diet mentality like i'm i'm vegetarian so therefore you have to eat vegetarian too i Mm -hmm. mean if your husband loves to eat a steak a couple times a week then that's fine you know but could he make it himself could he you know could he maybe factor that in for himself and i i and i also think that you know when there's families with you know I have three kids, so and they're now out of the house, so it's just my husband and myself but but when I was cooking daily for five of us, I often said, I'm like, I am not a shorter cook i am not I'm not you know, I know what I'm making tastes good. I know I know that it's gonna be and it's gonna be healthy and fine, and it's gonna taste good to you, so if you don't love it, you know you, you can go and right try to make something by yourself but I'm not, I'm not making three different meals for three different, you know, preferences. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of women, a lot of moms do end up doing that. They're like, he doesn't like uh, chicken and she doesn't like, you know, this and, uh, and it's, and that is incredibly stressful, I think, to end your day with trying to be the shorter to cook. I know a lot of my clients are just like stressed out with cooking. They don't love cooking. And because they're they're accommodating everybody else except for themselves. I also think like if I'm the person who is cooking and I am in charge of cooking, I get to pick first what what we're going to be eating. <laughs> I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Yeah. yeah, it's not always going to be perfect for everybody, mm-hmm. right? And not everyone's going to always love you know everything. But you know, I, I guess I, I happen to have a husband who's very accommodating to my to what we're eating. So that you know, that helps too. I think just being open to trying new foods, try, you know, trying new things is helpful as well, yeah, I oh, a- a- agreed. And I think
0: my strategy of having just a couple breakfasts and lunches that I rotate through, you know, works for me. You know, for example, when I'm on shift at work, I know i I don't have much time to eat, and I certainly don't have time. like there's no microwavable stuff, like, even if I need to use a fork, it's just not gonna happen. Um, and so I know what works on on shift and what's also gonna give me some energy rather than make me feel tired. And so that's just I have the same lunch that I pack to every shift because I've I've just found through experimentation what what really works for me. And you know, same, same for breakfast. It's not my favorite meal of the day, but I my biggest meal attempts, I I'm hungrier early and less hungry later in the day. So, you know, I have two or three things that whatever I feel like in the morning, I'm prepared for for all three of them. And that, you know, strategy really works for me. And I find that works for a lot of my clients is to just have even just a list of 10 things that they can easily make on the fridge for dinner and, you know, rotate, rotate through them that that seems to work for a lot of people. Me for dinner, I need more variety and it's my time to experiment with different ways of cooking, you know, in, in, in the kitchen. So that's what we found has has worked for us. But I do know for other people it helps to just have a list of things that you know the family likes and that's, you know, easy to prepare on busy weeknights and um, that you just you're just
1: prepared for 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 those. And there's no harm in that either. I think. (laughs) No, no, not at all. I I think what you're saying is such a good point. I think that meal planning does not mean that you have to come up with seven creative different dinners a week, right? But if you want to, you can. That's why meal planning is so personal for everybody that that there's no like very specific like tips for every single person. If you want to make a brand new dinner every single night, if that's important to you, that's great. that that's fantastic. Or maybe it's twice a week you're gonna try something new, and the other five days is just something that you that you can fall back on. I mean, I, yeah, there's I tell people when when they start meal planning, make that list of those ten meals that you can make without a recipe, without, you know, that that you have the ingredients sitting in your pantry you know, that you can just whip up quickly when you are like super busy, right? And you can't like even come up with, like you can't think straight. So, and and if, and if if those are on repeat every single week, that's fine too, if you don't mind that. I also say, I mean, I think, you know, the breakfast and lunch, I just wanted to add that I almost every single day, my last night's dinner is my next day's lunch because I'm the same. I'm very busy during the day. I don't want to give lunch. A single thought. I don't want to, I, I mean, I I want it to taste good, of course, and I want it to be healthy, but I want it to give, I want it to come with like zero effort and thought. Mm-hmm. So I'd say I always am doubling my food that I make for dinner. And that's for my husband and myself. That, that's what we're eating for lunch the next day. Wow. And then breakfast as well. You know, like breakfast is very simple for me. It's either oatmeal or it's, or yogurt, you know, and I'm mixing in like fruit and nuts and things like that. So it's, it's just, that almost comes with that thought too. I'm not, I'm not picky with my breakfast. I don't need a five course meal for that. It's just, I just want something nutritious and fast. And yeah, so again, it's all very personal for, for, for the individual family members. Maybe they like a different breakfast every single day. That's fine. You know just you just have to consider your lifestyle and how much energy you have and how much time you have in your day yeah yeah and i find in my house
0: anyways it's helpful to allow a little bit of flexibility as well because things come up or right or you you've planned something extravagant and you get home and you're just too tired to you know to 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 deal with it. And so Rob, that's my husband and I are always, we always have the same backup plan in place. So we get this beautiful box of organic vegetables from a local farmer thing here every single week and um we don't curate this we just allow whatever comes to come um and then we experiment with like sometimes i'll get a squash i've never seen before or you know um garlic scapes the first time we had garlic scapes i'm like what the hell are these and and so it's been fun to learn um but one thing that we often do if we're just tired and don't want to think about it is a pot of brown rice, chop up whatever veggies we have and throw in a tofu and mix it all up in like a stir fry. And that's super fast thoughtless thing that we always have tofu in the fridge. We always have brown rice in the pantry and we always have a fridge, you know, full of full of vegetables. And so it's different every time because it depends on what veggies we have. And um, we'll often just chop up some fresh herbs that I grow in my window sill in there and that's it. And we probably do that at least once a week in lieu of whatever we've planned for just because you know, we're, we're, we're just too tired to do, to do anything else. And, and it's, it's an easy thing. And so that's a strategy that's been helpful for us is to just be, have this backup plan that is easy and that we're always prepared for
1: as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that's such a great point too. It's that, that, right. Your, your meal plan for the week is not always going to go. I've certainly have had weeks where like, I now I have this whole plan and then I don't know, something something gets in the way at an appointment I thought I didn't have, or my energy level is just in the tank. I had a terrible night's sleep the night before. And I'm like, I am just too tired to cook tonight. And so having, right, like I said, you know, those kind of go-tos in your pantry and everything is the perfect solution. And you know that it's healthy, right? I mean, that sounds Mm. like it's tofu, it's vegetables, it's brown rice. Maybe you could even get a little crazy and add like a, you know, some kind of a, I I call them drizzles or dollops, you know, like some healthy fat, you know, that you just Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. drizzle over to flavor it and make it taste delicious. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but you still have those healthy fats and everything in there. And yeah. And that's a perfect way to meal plan. Right. And then you start over the next week. It's again, it's all about just, you know, forgiving yourself, compassion, it's just food. It's okay. You know, it's not going to be perfect. Yeah,
0: And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be perfect. And I, I'm constantly reminding myself of that too, that, you know what, if I don't actually have enough healthy fat in one particular meal, it's okay. (laughs) Right. Cause that's, Another thing that I find myself doing is critiquing my meals and my meal plan. You know, is there enough of this, that, and that, and you know, and and anything else in there? And I think, well, maybe this is a question to ask you: is it is it more important for each meal to be
1: balanced, or for for your diet overall to be balanced? I think it's much more important just for overall your your diet to be balanced. I don't think that right, right getting into that like stri- like okay, wait, I don't have the healthy fat in there, you know, like in this meal that, right, that gets into that restrictive, like diet-minded, like thinking, right? Mm-hmm. It's okay. It's only, we it, I mean, think about how many meals that we have to eat in our lifetime. So if we don't have, you know, the healthy fats and like your dinner for that night, because you're just actually too tired to even make the, the drizzle that I'm talking about <laughs> that. And it's just, you know, your other components. It's totally fine. You're going to make up for it somewhere, you know, like the next day. It's we don't have to be right. It's crazy. Or maybe it's the next meal. You know, you're maybe you didn't get enough vegetables in this meal. Maybe it was just brown rice and tofu. And like, because you were just even that tired to like cut up the the squash, you know, that you'll, you'll make up for it next day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I find that's what's been so helpful for us is, you know, Rob and I get this vegetable box delivered Wednesday mornings. It always comes 11 AM. And our goal is to just have eaten all of these vegetables by the time the next one comes around. And we, it's, it's not quite enough. We need more. So we, you know, I do get some when I go grocery shopping and that's the goal. So I don't, Ever have to critique each meal? Do I have enough veggies? I just know that by the time next Wednesday comes along, I will have eaten what I feel is 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 a good good amount of, of veggies, and that's taken mm-hmm. a lot of pressure off for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I love that you know getting that box of vegetables delivered. I mean, if you're if you're not intimidated with cooking, you know, if 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 you love getting creative, it's fun getting that box right of vegetables and like figuring out what oh, to do yeah. with them. And it's
0: like the the first time we got a Jerusalem artichokes, I didn't even know what a Jerusalem artichoke is. And, you know, right? Fun to just you know go online and experiment um, with some of these things, and you know, some have been a hit, and some have been. Oh I hope we never get these in this box again. Um and, and that's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, I and I you know and and right and no pressure. I mean if 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 people are in you know just feel like the food is intimidating to them or meal planning is you know if they're new to meal planning, just stick with what you know. I mean even I I have clients who just say like oh my my son will only eat broccoli. He doesn't eat any other vegetables. Is that bad? I'm like Listen, it's better than not eating vegetables. If I mean, broccoli is a great vegetable it's for so many reasons. So encourage the broccoli, like keep, you know, don't worry about the, like what you're not getting, you know, it's, it's what you, and I think you, you mentioned that before, like what, what we can add in, into our kitchens rather than what we're not, you know, we're not getting enough of, or we're not doing and, you know, all i i just think that their your vegetable box is such a great example i mean all these like beautiful wonderful vegetables that we can add into our lives you know and i think the more that we do that the more we experiment the more we find that like maybe vegetables do taste kind of good that the the less attention we we might give to some of those more undesirable foods you know like the more we're like we crowd them out other yes, than exactly. we can't eat that we're not allowed, right? It's just yeah. that like we're just adding in, and that's giving like less space to some of the other more, you know, undesirable foods, exactly. yep. And I find that's even true for me on my plate,
0: like e- e- even at that level is is if I eat my vegetables first. Um, cause that's, that's just what I'm working on for, for, for myself these days is, is, is getting more of the rainbow in me. I eat those first mm-hmm. and then I finish my plate until, until I feel, um, uh, satiated. And that's, that's been my strategy at the plate level too. And that works really well for me.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's a great practice as well, right? Eat your vegetables first. If you're still, you know, I mean, of course eat the other things, but if you're, but it might crowd out a little bit, right? We wanna eat like heavy up on vegetables and have a little less of, whole, you know, I mean, whole grains are fantastic. We don't wanna make it the star of our plate, you know? They're very nutrient. I mean, they're calorically dense and, you know, and but I mean, good for you, but we wanna make like these other things like this more the star of our plate. So if you're filling up on vegetables, right? There might just be like less hunger for the other things. Exactly. Yep, absolutely that's absolutely how it works for me for sure.
0: And then Heather I have just one last question before we 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 tie things up for today. Any strategies for translating your meal plan into the grocery store shop?
1: Well, I mean once I make a meal plan, you know, once I I get my recipes, I then sit down and make my grocery list, right? And and like I said earlier, I mean Going walking into the grocery store with a list in your hand is a really good idea because we're not wandering then, like wondering at five p.m. What on earth am I going to have for dinner? Right, we're not, we're not like we're not walking in hungry, not going in like oh, what's you know like and and then picking oh that looks good that looks good like let me let me throw that into my cart. There's always a plan with you know even with every like vegetable that i put into my grocery cart has a plan because i've already planned it in my meal plan yeah i don't want to buy things even and i am very comfortable with cooking i have been cookie for many many years <laughs> and even when i buy like oh that looks good like oh i haven't seen um uh, uh, oh, i don't know bok choy you know it let me let me grab a couple of those like just in case if i don't have a plan for it it will tend to just go bad in my refrigerator because it's not part of the, like, you know, the, the, my daily meals. And so I think just always having like the, your meal plan, meal planning first, then making the grocery list and going in very mindful into the grocery store with your list in hand is definitely the way to go.
0: Yeah, that's, that's what I find works best for me, to the point where I do not buy things if if they're on sale, like, I, I don't allow myself to just stock up on stuff, because that I find that all goes to waste as well. And um, we have been so surprised with how much less food waste um we are contributing to just by being more intentional with with the grocery shopping um, and saving money at the end of the day too, because I'm not buying things that do just, you know, eventually go to waste. Um, and so I do, I write down exactly what I need and how much of, of it that I need based on my meal plan. We've got the staples that, you know, for our breakfast and, and, and lunch that we just make sure we have just enough of to get us through until the, the next week. And we've also made the decision. We we just don't buy snacks. Like we don't buy We we don't buy any goodies to have just in case. If we decide we want something, then we go and get it. But but we don't stock chips or, you know, other things um, in the house. And that really works well for us as well. And, you know, one thing that we have found that we love to do is... Um, My husband is a huge ice cream fan, me, not like I can take or leave ice cream, but we have this beautiful, like homemade ice cream shop nearby where we live. And in the summer, once or twice in the summer, we make a whole evening out of taking the dog and walking, you know, to, to, to this ice cream. And it's, it's an event for us and it's, it's a beautiful experience. We don't, um, you know, ixnay the ice cream a right it's there it's not a bad food for us and i think that it would just be so much less fun for rob in particular if he could always just open the freezer and you know get get some ice cream so we make a whole event if we want to go out um, for a treat every once in a while and it just makes it that much more enjoyable so we've just found so much benefit out of just buying exactly what's on our list and not putting snacks on on the shopping list as well
1: yeah that's such a great point because that is really part of just being mindful with your eating. yeah, if you know that having a gallon of ice cream in your freezer is going to you know d- trigger that mindless every single night eating, I'll just have a you know, I'll just have a bowl of it. I get it. I mean, I could do this exa- I'm exactly the same as you. I'm like, I cannot it's just not a good idea for me to have a gallon of ice cream sitting in my freezer every night because mm-hmm. I'm going to eat it and I'm not going to, right. And I'm not enjoying it. I think making a special occasion trip to the ice cream store and you take the, a walk with your dog and, right. And you're doing it with intention and mindfulness and you're going to fully enjoy that ice cream. That's fantastic. Yeah. But when, when you're, when your pantry is full of, right, like just snacks and things to like, just grab and, and uh, it's, it takes away, I think the, the specialness of it. I mean, you know, it's not, we're not that we have to have food rules, but we know that if, if it's in your house, you're probably just gonna mindlessly like grab, you probably are not a hungry, you're not really hungry. It's, you're at, it's after dinner, right? You're sitting like maybe watching something on TV and like, you're just, you know, snacking.
0: Well, exactly. And I you know you made the an important distinction there that it's not about having a food rule. That's not it at all. And I'm not labeling snack foods as bad. I just know that if they're in the house, I will mindlessly eat them and mm-hmm. I, know, I know what that does to me in the cycle that it, that it puts me in into and so i just consciously make the the choice not to keep them in the house i don't make the choice not to never eat them i just make the choice not to not to stock them in the house and then when we want them we can intentionally decide to go out and get them and enjoy them that's that that that's the distinction yeah
1: yeah No, i tell this to clients all the time i'm like do not just keep this i mean it you have to be reasonable, I think, with yourself. And it's hard to resist a gallon of ice cream in your freezer. I mean, it's it's that's we're human, you know, it's sugar, it's the end of the day. Like we're, you know, we're emotional human beings. So it's Absolutely. it's but if you really want it, if you've given it some thought, like if you've really like, you know what, I'm really craving ice cream, get in your car and go to the ice cream store mm-hmm. and get, you know, and get a small like scoop of ice cream. That's fine, you know, but like make it, you know with intention rather than it's just like, it's, it's very available to me and, and I'm going to, you know, just mindlessly eat it. Wonderful.
0: All right. Thank you so much for all of that, Heather. There was, I think so much useful information in there. And I know that you work with clients on all of these things. So how can people find you if they want a little bit of help in their kitchen?
1: Sure. Yeah, I teach um I do one-on-one coaching with mostly with women and I also do um very specific kitchen coaching and I teach online cooking classes also oh, in nice. the kitchen. So and a lot of the women I work with have, you know, all of that all of these these um uh, issues around food, you know, or they've they've come to the point where they just don't like to cook or they, because they don't really know how to cook or they don't know how to meal plan or, um, and I, you know, we work through all of that and they can find me at, um, on my website at heathercary.com. It's H-E-A-T-H-E-R-C-A-R-E-Y. And I have all my information on my website and how to, um, how to get in touch with me perfect
0: heather and i'll make sure that's in the show notes as well right thank you so much this was a, a great conversation and happy to be here I had, I had a lot of fun thank you so thanks. much and i'm a little bit more excited about the meal planning so we'll we'll see how it goes <laughs> okay
1: great <laughs> thanks thank you